Are you a caregiver? Or do you have a loved one who is aging and you or they might have questions that need to be answered? We have some answers that might help. This is Aging Life Network with Nancy Oriola. Today, you'll hear from experts and others related to the field of aging who will bring you answers, best practices, and tips for helping your loved one navigate this new part of life. Now, here is your host, Nancy Oriola. Hello, welcome to Aging Life, the show about all things aging. Today I'm talking with Jordan Webster. Jordan's a co-founder of a care planning software platform called CollabCare. Jordan is a registered nurse and prior to developing CollabCare, he worked for many years with families, both within the community as well as in long-term care settings. He saw a significant gap in caregivers' struggle to manage and monitor the care of a loved one, of their loved ones, and is here today to talk about that gap and ways to ensure the highest quality of care for our seniors. I titled this episode not simply about monitoring care, but also about evaluating care, because I think sometimes families generally don't know what they should be evaluating in terms of care, as well as what they should be monitoring. And in this instance, I'm not speaking about how well a caregiver is performing in their role necessarily when I talk about evaluating, but rather um, than confuse our audience and our listeners further, let me just introduce my guest, Jordan Webster, and hope that he can help me out here in talking about evaluating versus monitoring. Hey there, Jordan. Thank you for joining me here on Aging Life. Hi, Nancy. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. So, Jordan, let's begin by talking about your experience prior to Collab Care and what it is you saw families struggling with. Like, what, what, what really was the problem that you saw? Absolutely. I, prior to working on uh, founding Collab Care, I spent a few years working in the community as a community nurse. And my role in particular was going into families' homes who were considering getting additional support. And what I saw, the longer I spent in that role, the more I saw families struggling with similar issues, uh, specifically what to look out for when they're caring for their loved ones. So, uh, for example, one family I went in, they were distraught. They felt that they were in dire need of support. Um, and it turned out that their family member had a UTI. So it wasn't that they were in dire need of support, but just that there was a bit of an education gap there um, where the family had thought their parent, their dad in this case, had declined significantly within a period of weeks. And they really didn't end up needing our support at all in the long run. They ended up going to their family doctor, getting the appropriate treatment, and mm -hmm. taking him back home. And dad um, returning to a higher level of functioning. Exactly, exactly. And similar to that, more and more families that I spoke with over time had this, a similar challenge insofar as many people called us and said, you know, I'd, I'd love to take care of my dad or mom. I don't mind taking the time off work, but I really don't know where to start. I don't know what to look out for. I've, I've come home from the hospital. They've given me three or four diagnoses. You know, I haven't seen mom or dad since Christmas. It's now Easter. And I really am not sure where to even begin. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, I have, um, you know, I've spoken with you about how important I think um, this part is. And um, can I add and maybe trigger some of your thoughts about um, the need to share information between family members? And essentially, organization and systems, I think about, um, because every family seems to recreate the wheel, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a great point. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was, I was also going to say, um, and then in the monitoring world, you know, people think, well, I'll write down the meds and make sure they take their meds. But there's so many more things that we can be monitoring for, and then we can talk about when you look at those things, what are you looking for? So, for instance, 
you know, nutrition and food intake, um, water, you know, hydration, um, toileting, sleep, um, all of those things. If there's a place for people to look at those things, we can then talk about well, when you look at those things, what are you looking for? What, as, as you guys say, I think on your website, what are the red flags, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. To your first point, absolutely. There's many families out there. I've visited several families where there's at least five, six, seven different family members all caring for one person. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's uh, about 40 million Americans who would say identify as a caregiver. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it looks different for every person. In some cases, families will all work together and they will provide that 24-7 support to, uh, to their parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, whoever it may be. Uh, and in those cases, it's a real challenge how to communicate what's happening when you're in the home with those other seven family members or, or more in some cases, uh, especially when you start considering that there may be private care involved. And then there's, there's so many different stakeholders involved in this, this one aspect of care. Yes. Um, yes. So uh, I've seen families do it so many different ways from uh, some families have written it down on uh, Google Sheets. Some families have sent emails out. Uh, some actually just have a calendar in the home and everybody writes a brief note. Um, right. But like you said, there's more than just a short paragraph that needs to happen. Uh, so uh, typically the first way when we're looking out for those red flags is setting baselines. And what I mean by that is um, it doesn't have to be perfect. A baseline isn't something that let's say you or I, if if our baseline is, well, we can, you know, run a hundred meters, maybe we'll be a little bit short of breath, but, but we can do it and we'll be fine. That's not a, that's not necessarily a baseline. That's our baseline. But for families who are going through health decline, typically a baseline starts whenever you start your care plan. So whatever that baseline is, if this person, they may have a baseline of, I can walk 10 meters, I can walk five meters, and that's okay. So setting those baselines is important. I'm sorry, I'm in the U.S. How many feet are in a meter again? <laughs> sorry about that. That's about three, three and a half feet. I'm, I'm in Canada, so yes. three and a half feet in a meter. So okay. uh, if, yeah. Right, but your, your loved one might be, um, you know, very often, I mean, how often does care begin, family intervention begin post-hospital, post-rehab? Right. Oh, all the time. All the time. Whether it's, um, you know, paid agency care with family support, family care, mom moves in with you. I mean, there's so many variables, right? Private care. Um, Agencies have a little bit of information that they gather, but it's not always digital. It's still not always digital. Yeah, exactly. It's not always digital. And Mm -hmm. in some cases, it's not enough. Best best in class home care agencies will have a nurse who builds the plan. Uh, And that's that's Mm -hmm. really our goal as well. It's a nursing care plan. Um, So uh, what aspects of care once we've have those baselines, uh, then like you mentioned for eating, for example, there's two components to to eating that we, we talk about as activities of daily living. Uh, There's seven. Two of those actually encompass eating. One is meal preparation, which is actually the the aspect of cooking the meals, plating the meals, making sure that they're prepared in a way that this individual can eat them. Um, Not everybody can has the ability to cut chicken, for example, after after their hospital visit. Maybe they have some limitations with their hands, Um, as well as the actual aspect of eating. So taking that plated prepared meal and putting that food into their mouth. So there's a couple of different red flags. Uh, as you said, red flags, is what we call them that you're going to look out for um, with both of these, you're going to look out for somebody losing weight without trying, uh, whether it's rapid or gradual over time. So tracking that weight, that's an important aspect of monitoring care. Um, There's some cases that we've seen where somebody loses about three pounds, two pounds a month 
which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're not trying over several years, this can add right. up to about 50 pounds in two years. And it's such a slow process that when you have so many family members involved in, in the care on an everyday basis, it becomes a real challenge to notice that difference until we're at that stage two years later, realizing that, that you know, mom or dad isn't, isn't eating as much. Right. Another one we always encourage families to look out for is when you go to visit mom or dad, if they're living independently, take a look in the fridge, see if there's any food that's spoiled, see if, you know, if you brought over a meal for them last week, was it eaten? Um, what types of foods are in the fridge in the pantry? Is it all canned food? And for everybody, it's different. For somebody who has uh, lived their whole life and all they've ever eaten was toast, then they're probably not going to change that much just because we tell them to. And we can't really blame them too. If that's not what they've done for 60 years, I, I don't right. think I would change my habits or they're either. They're 96 and they eat two eggs, bacon and toast every morning. What's the point of changing that? Yes. Exactly. That's, I, that's exactly yeah. right. And that's, that's a value in a baseline. Family members mm-hmm. know, know their parents better than, really better mm-hmm. than healthcare professionals do when it comes to that. Well, going back to the UTI, which is a urinary tract infection, which is very common with older adults, um, if you were tracking, uh, how would that show itself? Certainly the rapid cognitive decline, change. Absolutely, yes. And that's, that is a very common one. More often than not, it's caused from incontinence. Um, so with that one, we also encourage uh, families to take a look out for any changes in bladder routine uh, to start mm-hmm. off with. So right. are we noticing that mom or dad maybe isn't using the toilet as often if we're living with them? If we're not, do we notice an, a urine odor smell when we go over, maybe on some of the, uh, the fabric couches, maybe in some of their clothes if, we, if we're doing their laundry yeah. for them? Um, or it might be, there might be a transition where they need more help with their personal care. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And if that's the case, it becomes even easier to monitor them because we can take a closer look. Is there foul smelling odor? Mm-hmm. Um, if we notice and we're, we're toileting them, are they grimacing? Are they in pain when they're, when they're voiding, when they're urinating? Mm-hmm. Are we noticing any blood in the urine? The challenge with UTIs and really any infections uh, with the elderly population is they don't always have a fever, which for most, when we look at kids, we think, okay, if they have a fever, they're probably sick. So it's easy to think, okay, if my mom or dad has a fever, they're probably sick. And it's not to say it never happens. If there's a fever, of course, that's a sign that something's off and that needs to be addressed. But there's often times where... um, the most recent research has shown, regardless of the type of infection, it doesn't always present with a fever. So these other signs, a rapid change in mental status, that's always a concern. Um, if your loved one has dementia, and then weeks later, their dementias drop to a totally different level, there's also, we call it delirium. So that would be a rapid sudden or sudden change in mental status. Um, as compared with dementia, which tends to be more gradual, more slow, uh, and decline over time. So anytime there's a rapid change in really any of those activities of daily living, uh, which again, we went over meal preparation, eating, toileting. Um, I could talk about the, the others in a little bit, but any rapid change is a major concern. That's something that we're gonna want to make sure we make our physician it's worthy of a uh, of a physician appointment and making him aware of what that change is. Yes, and and certainly in the area of um, the UTI, um, you know, not not doing anything about it can lead to sepsis and can ultimately lead to death. And so, it is an important thing to catch. Um, yeah, whenever possible. Absolutely. So when we talk about evaluating care, what do we mean? What do you mean by, you know, as you're developing the plan, what are you, what are you doing when you're evaluating in this instance? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not necessarily evaluating the care provided, but rather evaluating the care needs. So what, what level of care does this person require? Um, for each of those activities of daily living, the others are mobility, which is somebody's ability to walk around, personal care, which showering would be included, you know, even putting on deodorant, any aspect of care uh, for ladies putting on makeup. Personal hygiene, uh, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Getting dressed and then as well as transferring, which is going from either a laying to a sitting, sitting to a standing position, uh, and, and of course, standing to sitting. So what level of support is required? These are things that most of us are taking for granted on a daily basis, seven things that are activities of daily living that we don't think about. Um, that's, it's really routine for us. But as we age, we find that unfortunately things tend to get worse, not better. So what level of support required? Am I able to, again, it's establishing that baseline and saying, okay, um, I'm able to go from a sitting to a standing position by myself right now, but in three months, I may need support from one person. Uh, in six months, I may need support from two people. So that would be evaluating that care need. How much support is required for each of these acti- activities of daily living? Great. Yes, very good. Um, so when we talk about care planning in this instance, we're really talking about um, functional care, evaluating function and monitoring well, you monitor more than function, though, in in when you're uh, providing care, because I'm I'm getting distracted by thinking about social needs and spiritual needs. But we're really in this instance, we're talking about health in the home and function in the home, right? Absolutely. So medications, of course, important. Um, tracking medical appointments, important. Um, um, tracking who's coming and going. I assume there's a scheduling feature. Uh, absolutely, yes. And as well as yeah. uh, that's built into the, we call it a daily report in our app. Uh, okay. So what that is, is it goes over several of these aspects of care. So Uh, Essentially, that daily report is an overview of what happened today. The first time you go through it is that, again, that establishing that baseline. So it'll ask you a few targeted questions that coaches the family on, okay, this is what I should be looking out for. Oh, very good. Okay. All times following that, it's measured Mm -hmm. against that same baseline. So what's happening in the home? Are there any falls? Um, If the fall was major? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and oftentimes family members may not mention that because it might be a sliding softfall, as they say, or <laughs> you know, uh, or a or a fall or a trip and fall, but no injury, and so you don't think about it. But when you see that there's been seven of them over a three-week period, you need to consider that there's something different and something going on. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's why it's always measured against the baseline to say, okay, three weeks ago, there were no falls. What's changed now that we're getting one fall a day, two falls a day, even though nothing major is happening, there's no broken bones, you know, mom and yes. dad's still walking around. Yes. What's happening that's causing these falls? Yes. So uh, I want to talk more about the solution piece and how the, how the monitoring works um, and if we think of other things that um, we should be talking about in terms of evaluating, we'll get back to that. I'm going to need to take a break. And before I do that, I, wanna, I want to shout out to my sponsors, Decades Group, and my friends at TrueLink Financial, a, um, a fabulous um, platform and financial company uh, growing that people should check out, particularly if they have caregivers in the home. That's TrueLink Financial. Okay, we'll be right back.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you overwhelmed and struggling with the next step? Is your family in crisis? Do you need advice or help making a difficult decision for an aging loved one? Aging Life Network was developed to connect you with senior care experts and life care professionals who will discuss your unique situation, offer practical step-by-step guidance, tell you the questions to ask, and help you understand the maze of options. Their network of life care professionals, available to you through HIPAA-compliant video conferencing and calls, will work with you to create action plans to solve your current and real-time problems. Aging Life Network's online educational center, ALN Academy, offers 24-7 access to the most up-to-date and accurate information for seniors and their families. Through podcast interviews with senior care experts, articles, and live webinars, Aging Life Network shares with you those things you need to know to care for your aging loved one. Check out aginglifenetwork.com today and find the answers you need. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. I'm he- this is Nancy, and I'm here with Jordan Webster from Collab Care. We're talking about evaluating and monitoring care for your loved ones. Um, we've just discussed quite a bit what um, what we're evaluating, um, but it's essentially functional and health in the home. And um, I, I was thinking there's another thing. Although it's not evaluating, it's more monitoring. But, um, you know, often families mention, um, you know, mom's on a blood pressure medication and they have some concern. I think if mom's already on blood pressure, they might do this, they might know to do this unless they're new to mom and her care. But, you know, monitoring blood pressure can become a really critical um, thing to do once daily. Um and uh, in some instances, and you can tell me this, Jordan, confirm this as a nurse, but sometimes people um, check those things just like they do insulin before they determine, you know, whether or not to give a medication. But um, but I'm thinking more of, you know, you're concerned and you track it and then you go to the doctor and you have all this great information. And Absolutely. Yeah. With with any health condition, there's always aspects of that condition that should be monitored. Uh, for example, like you said, blood pressure. Oftentimes what we see is the doctor will either prescribe a blood pressure pill or ask the family, like you said, to check blood pressure and then prescribe it. Uh, but we want that ongoing. What happens is not every blood pressure pill is right for everybody. They, there's really hundreds of different pills and they all work differently. So what's the doctor is trying to do is determine which one's going to be the best for this individual's uh, care, which one's going to treat them in the most appropriate way. So that's really why that's the value of tracking that blood pressure pill. Are we finding that when we take blood pressure, our blood pressure, or sorry, the pill rather, our blood pressure is dropping to a level where it it can become unsafe. Uh, it can be, again, it can lead us back to thinking, okay, maybe that's what's causing these falls. Uh, even though they're minor, maybe our blood pressure is dropping so that we're becoming a little lightheaded uh, and, and that's what's causing these falls. So with any health condition, there's always some aspects of care and it's always great to talk with the doctor as well, just to say, hey, what should I be looking out for? Is there anything that I really need to know about um, Things like for somebody who has congestive heart failure, the doctor may say track the weight. Uh, What he's actually looking for isn't a change in eating like we talked about earlier. It's retaining fluid. So ask them and then feel free to ask your doctor as well. Our our system has it in there where it will say uh, some recommendations. Typically, it's three pounds in about a day or five pounds. 
pounds or greater within a week. Um, but talk with your doctor about that and get some more specific recommendations on what we need to look out for in terms of this specific health condition so that you, you know what to ask, you know what you should be looking out for. Most often what we find is um, a health condition is one aspect of this person's care and there's aspects to look out for. But if we look at how, what this person's day-to-day looks like, a stark change, a sudden change, typically that's what occurs as a result of these health conditions. Okay, yes. And as you say, um, you know, if there's a, there can also be things over time, the weight change and the, and the um, lightheadedness related to, you know, the need for more, an increase in medication or a different medication. Sure. Absolutely. Yes. Do you, um, do you baseline cognition? Do you do a... And is there any kind of test um, screening? I would call it a screening more than a... It's, it's a very basic screening, but there is a screen in there that's in, that is an aspect of what we're doing. Um, okay. in the, there's two sections when you're care planning, and that's, that's true of any care plan from either a home care agency, uh, whether you're parents in assisted living. Or uh, care manager mm-hmm. or private care manager yeah i think actually your care plans are much more involved <laughs> than that i think you have many more aspects but they are but this is such an important piece this it's, is such yeah yes yeah it's one aspect but uh yeah this so we have the health aspect uh which is again all those health conditions all those health concerns and and the few things that we need to be looking out for and then we have that functional aspect as well mm-hmm Yes, I think it's it's great. So, um, so are there other ways that a system like Collab Care can assist caregivers and families? Um, what other features am I not aware of? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, a big aspect is once we have our care plan and once we've established those baselines. Um, there's three things that we say. So first, uh, know to, what to look out for and establish baselines. And that's step one. The second one is communicate effectively and care plan diligently. And what that really means is how are we communicating all these changes? How are we, what do we know? Uh, sorry. How do we know what to look out for? So, one family member who may be caring for mom, maybe mom only falls in the nighttime. And this is, this is a case that's happened where um, they, the family was, had about three different people involved. One person was sleeping overnight and the other two took the day shifts. Mm-hmm. And every night mom was having a fall, but during the day she was fine. So the person who was there during the night, of course, didn't see this as a major issue because it was happening every night. So of course, it's, of course it's happening during the days. And it was several months that this went on for before they realized that they all got together. The person who was going to see the doctor on the days said, no, of course, mom's not falling, not that I know of. But there's that communication gap where <laughs> the person caring for them in the night would say, yeah, of course, mom's falling. But and that's that's just one example of many different things that can happen. So is the, the report you spoke of, the daily report, is, can it be a shift report, if you will? It can. It can be filled out as many times as you like during one day. It's just okay. called a daily report. We just okay. called it that just to give it a name, really. Sure. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it can be a shift report. You can fill it out a hundred times in a day if things change that that often. And um, I asked you during the break, does this have an AI feature? And um, your response was? That's, that's a great question. It doesn't yeah. have an AI feature as of yet. Uh, it's something we're looking into, but okay. uh, to get an effective AI system, you need hundreds of thousands, if not millions of data points. Yes. Uh, and we're not quite there yet. And you'd have um, to collect a lot of information, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. And we hope to get there, but uh, how well, what, it works. Oh, sorry. Uh, well, I was going to say, but what you have a lot, asks people questions that they might not even think to ask. 
uh, to communicate. You know, it might not be a piece that they would communicate to anyone else, and you're asking it, and and so it brings it to the forefront. And that's exactly it. We we say typically uh, for families who don't have a healthcare nursing doctor physician, you know, even a HHA background, um, caregiving without a monitoring system is like driving your car with a broken check engine light. So things may seemingly be going okay, and it's not till you're pulled over waiting for AAA to come and tow your car away that you realize something's gone wrong. In this case, it's usually going to the hospital because yes. things have fallen off the fallen off the course, and we need to fix it. But that's uh, that's the biggest gap. It's just oftentimes what we find is families have the desire to know what's going on. It's not that they don't want to know. It's just that nobody's coached them on what to look out for. And there's so there really is so much to look out for, but it's simple. It's not anything that you need, uh, you know, you need several years of education to look out for. Uh, the education is just so you know what to tell families to look out for. So once you know what to look out for, it, it does become really, really straightforward to track. Have you, um, have you seen so far any resistance? Or, I guess I'm thinking of the family who has an agency in place, but they would like more information than what the agency provides. Um, do you foresee any pushback by the agency in terms of having their caregivers fill out your information? It, it really varies on the agency. Um, in some cases, uh, no. Uh, in some cases, maybe. It's, it's tough to say. Um, the challenge is home care or agency care, it's a pretty competitive industry. There's several different organizations within any given uh, if if you live in an urban area, there's several different rural areas that are a little bit different and there's not quite as much uh, competition out there. But if it's a private agency, uh, most often, as long as you explain why you're having them fill it out, you can also have that agency, uh, if you have a care support person from that agency who's in the office, you can put them on the system so they can get the daily uh, daily updates or shift updates as, as well. well. Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. So, hmm. I, you know, I have some very um, mindful um, uh, primary care physicians I know who would probably love to have this kind of data. Absolutely. And that, that can happen in a couple of different ways. If the physician is very involved or if there's a nurse practitioner who's very involved, they can also mm-hmm. be put on the system and get those updates, um, which depending on their patient load may or may not be realistic. Right. They may not want to review it, but they may like the fact that the family is is doing something other than, yeah. And, and that's what we see a lot of. Uh, it's, the funny thing about the system is it works in two ways. So it does coach families on uh, when something changes, this is what you should look out for. For example, um, if uh, that change in weight, as I mentioned earlier, we should be looking out for meal preparation and eating red flags. But it will also help because it's designed as a nursing care plan, it's designed in such a way that uh, nurses will communicate to physicians in long-term care or or assisted living. So in those cases, if you bring in your most recent reports, whether it's the last two or three where you've noticed that change and you can show it to the physician, things happen so quickly in the home and so much happens that just as families, it's hard to remember everything that happened over the last week, two weeks. Whereas when you can pull that up, they can take a quick look through it. Whether you've made your own notes on it or not is up to you. But you can say, here, here's the three reports that I noticed something was a little bit off. What do you think about this? Is there something we can do to help, uh, you know, help prevent this weight loss? Well, and, and, um, and there are many family systems where, um, you know, mom lives with one particular child and that child is, you know, trying to keep it all together. 
do all of those things we're talking about, appointments, medications, oversight of, of caregivers, and, and don't really have the time to be then adding reporting to siblings as part of the piece. And so this, you know, if they're doing this kind of tracking anyway, and they can then just have those other family members receiving reports, what a what a gift that can be within the family. Yeah. It, it really is. And in addition to that, for families who, uh, especially if there's one sibling living with mom or dad and other siblings are somewhere else in the country mm-hmm. yeah. uh, or really anywhere in the world, it, it sure. makes that communication piece happen instantaneously and seamlessly. So yes. you don't have to, again, you don't have to say the same thing three times to three different siblings. Everybody gets those reports. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to make a commercial out of collab care here today, but I think having a system is critical and finding a system where you don't have to recreate the wheel um, is just so seriously helpful. And when I came across your new um, care planning software, which I think just rolled out a few months ago, um, I love the idea of also having this piece where you assist families from an educational perspective and help them evaluate and help them monitor. Nice. Thank you. Very nice. Yeah. Thank you. And and this is where the future is going. I mean, there's there's just so many families and um, there's not enough. Um, they, you know, it's it's too much to ask families to do all that they're doing and um, try to track all this stuff. So hopefully it will simplify people's lives. So whether it's collab care or something else, find yourself something. Um, we still have more to do on the show, but we are going to um, go to our commercial break now. And uh, when we come back, um, we'll give you a little bit more, uh, some more of the red flag tips uh, to watch for and um, kind of summarize all of what we've been talking about here today. So I'm with Jordan Webster and we'll be right back. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Are you overwhelmed and struggling with the next step? Is your family in crisis? Do you need advice or help making a difficult decision for an aging loved one? Aging Life Network was developed to connect you with senior care experts and life care professionals who will discuss your unique situation offer practical step-by-step guidance, tell you the questions to ask, and help you understand the maze of options. Their network of life care professionals, available to you through HIPAA-compliant video conferencing and calls, will work with you to create action plans to solve your current and real-time problems. Aging Life Network's online educational center, ALN Academy, offers 24-7 access to the most up-to-date and accurate information for seniors and their families. Through podcast interviews with senior care experts, articles, and live webinars, Aging Life Network shares with you those things you need to know to care for your aging loved one. Check out aginglifenetwork.com today and find the answers you need. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Nancy. I'm back here with Jordan Webster from Collab Care. So, Jordan, um, um, what other red flags? Should we should we end with some more things that people should be concerned about? Do you have any more for me? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll give you a couple for each of those activities of daily living, just so mm-hmm. there's a little bit for everybody. Okay. Um, so we'll start with transferring. And again, just as an overview, that's going from a seated to a standing position. Mm-hmm. So a few of the red flags you're going to look out for is reluctance or hesitancy to stand. And that can be a, of a result of a fall. That can just because, be because uh, maybe they're having pain in their knees. As we get older, we start to experience pain that uh, we didn't used to experience when we were younger. So uh, that reluctance to stand, that can be a red flag for transferring, as well as uh, refusing to sit on low chairs. I always say if mom or dad isn't sitting on their favorite lazy boy, their favorite couch, uh, that they've sat on and they've loved for the past 30 years, well, that's probably because they're hesitant to get out of the chair, not because something's changed with that chair itself. Um, Another one is a difficulty or inability to complete activities of daily living, and that's all six of them. Uh, If we're finding that, you know, if mom or dad was always very meticulous, their house was always spotless, uh, dishes were always done, and now we're seeing that maybe they're not even cooking home meals anymore, There's that's a red flag. And it's not necessarily specifically related to transferring. That can also be a mobility red flag. Um, maybe they're having more difficulty with walking, standing for long periods of time, spending more time in bed, spending more time sitting down. So with those two, transferring as well as mobility, we're looking for... How are they moving around? Uh, are they moving around as often? Are they moving as far? If, uh, you know, historically they would go outside and do some gardening, are they still gardening? Do we want to make sure somebody's there when they're gardening if they're having a fall or if they've had recent falls? Maybe that's a great idea to, to make sure there's a family member available helping them with the gardening. Um, mm-hmm. uh, or going for walks in the community, same same idea. There's also systems, great systems in place to help with uh, with falls, but we won't get too far into those. But there's mm. that's the idea. So pretty well, anything that has to do with what you would think of as moving around um, for personal care. One of the big ones is uh, the person becomes. Uh, unkempt, not as well-groomed as they were. Again, we have to look at what is this person's baseline? Is this somebody who took a shower every day or is this somebody who took a shower every couple of days? Uh, And it's tough for kids to remember these things. I mean, most of us don't really look at our (laughs) parents' personal care habits. I think, yeah, and it becomes, it's critical to understand Um, you know, to not impose our personal values. You know, I may believe a person can, should take a shower every day. Yeah, actually studies show older people really don't need to and probably shouldn't take a shower every day, um, but, uh, and may prefer not to. So yes, um, learning about those things and not imposing what you think should be done. Absolutely. And that's, that's a huge point, not imposing those unconscious biases, not thinking, okay, this is best. This is what I do. This is what mom or dad needs to do. Um, Absolutely. But in the case where we see, uh, let's say mom, you know, she uh, put on makeup every single day and for the last three months, she's not putting on makeup. Mm -hmm. What's happening here? Why, why is she not putting on makeup? Mm -hmm. And as much as this is a personal care red flag, Um, it's something to talk about with the physician because it's not necessarily just a red flag. It can be indicative of so many different issues that are going on. It can be, uh, you know, an issue with It can be depression. It can be depression. That was my thought. That's exactly where I was going with it as well. It can be a mental health issue. So it's not necessarily physical, but uh, Mm -hmm. something that, you know, we chalk up to, it's easy to chalk up to uh, just, a change. Mom or dad's getting older. They don't want to wear makeup. It's it's important to communicate these things. You know, and often um, uh, older adults are taken to physicians, and not often do they actually do real physicals. Um, you know, where they look at skin integrity, and by that I mean, you know, if your parent is now sitting all day, every day, in the same place 
or in bed most of the day, you're going to start looking at breakdown in skin and what what typically is called a bed sore. I mean, that's the layperson term, right? Where you have a wound on your buttocks or your coccyx, you know, your tailbone. And um, yeah, so notice, 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 I guess is, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's that's a big one as well. If If we're able to communicate that, maybe the physician will ask it. If not, you should be... As long as your parent will allow you to, they need, you know, they're, they have the freedom <laughs> to right. choose what, uh, how involved we are. But as long as right. they will allow you to, it doesn't hurt to take a look at even their back, you know, right. for noticing some redness on their back. Yes. It's, it can be a sign that uh, maybe we need to help them sleep on their side or, or right. help reposition them. Right, right. Or, yes, make a change to the chair they're in or get a little donut for them to sit on or something. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, I mean, we're telling people that here. Is that something they might find in your um, program? It would be if mm-hmm. if they fill it out and they indicate that mm-hmm. that's uh, that's a concern, then it would coach them through uh, aspects to look out for. Yes, okay, definitely. That's great. So, what would you like to leave us with today, Jordan? Uh, I think if I was to leave you with one thing, it would be. Um, it's it's tough to say because there's so so many valuable pieces of information. But if it was one thing, I would say it definitely has to be. Don't be uh, afraid to communicate what's happening. If you notice something's changed, mm-hmm. don't be afraid. Don't chalk it up to just you know mom or dad's change. Uh, be willing to advocate for your parent. And that's, that's a challenge when you don't have a healthcare background. I, I understand that. That's, it's a challenge for anybody, even if we do have a healthcare background and we've done it, before, excuse me, before. It's uh, mm-hmm. uh, advocating is always hard, but don't be afraid to uh, say, you know, this has changed. I'm really not sure what it can mean when you're speaking with your healthcare team, whether it's a care manager, I mean, especially if it's a care manager, they tend to be the most receptive to this. Uh, and, and they'll have that knowledge to, uh, to help uh, if, if the family doesn't, to help communicate that to the physician. But Yeah, sometimes uh, parents find it easier to have um, a third party um, engaged or in reporting things to Absolutely. the physician. Families often say, I don't know how to say this, you know, in the appointment in front of mom, she's going to be really mad, or I don't think she should be driving or different things. And so what I often suggest is that before the appointment, you call and find out who the nurse is and the fax number. And you send a note, but you send it to the nurse and ask the nurse to bring it to the doctor's attention. Um now, I've had that backfire where, you know, phys- physician pulls it out and says, oh, here's the note your daughter sent, you know, and so that kind of backfires. But but the more discreet physician, <laughs> <laughs> the one with better social skills might, um, you know, might know to say, I'm informing you of this, particularly when, it, let's say you don't have a power of attorney, uh, someone else in the family does, but you're concerned. Uh, how do you get that communicated? And um, that's one thing I suggest. That's a great suggestion. Yeah. So evaluating and monitoring care. Um, I loved your analogy of the um, driving the car with a broken um, check light. Is that what you call it? A check yes. Light? Broken yeah. check engine light. Yes. Check engine light. <laughs> so evaluating and monitoring care will allow you to drive this bus um, knowing that you'll be alerted when there are changes. Absolutely. Right? Um, and I think we've talked today about the importance of working as a team Uh, with caregivers, family members, and service providers. And this is um, having a system will help, will help promote that, a system of communication at least. Um, And then using a system such as CollabCare, what will that do for us? 
that covers the uh, that educational piece. That that is the check engine light, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be collab care. If you do have that background, a Google Sheet with uh, you know with some notes can do can do okay as long yeah. as you've built in a system where it can flag things that go wrong. Um, so uh, right. it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be collab care, uh, but it has to have enough uh, depth to it that it can flag when things go wrong and we know what's going wrong and what else to look out for. Well, I think for the sole caregiver, the, you know, the adult daughter who's doing it herself, maybe with some, you know, respite caregiving, um, you know, they can typically come up, they have everything, they're holding it all in their head and they can come up with a system, but it, but the, it's difficult to share with others. But when you have multiple um, caregivers and not just care providers, like, you know, the the day-to-day routine care, but um, family members who are doing the oversight as a group, it can get very tricky. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the more people involved, really, the more challenge, the more party holders there are, yeah, the bigger the challenge. Yeah, the, the more complicated it becomes. And so I want to thank you, Jordan Webster from Collab Care, for joining me today to have this conversation. I wish you well in, in the launching of um, this very exciting new um, product slash service that you're providing to families. I appreciate all you're doing to enhance the lives of these families and especially our senior population. I appreciate that. Um, You can find information about collab-care by going to the website www.collab-care.com. Join me and my guests live each Wednesday or on demand at voiceamerica.com or follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Um, anything more you'd like to say, Jordan, as we depart? I just wanted to say thank you so much for having us on the show, Nancy. It was a real pleasure and I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. I'm glad. Because, you know, fun is what it's all about <laughs> on this show. I, would, I hope, even though we sometimes impart very hard information and talk about very hard stuff. Um, so for my listeners, remember, if you're experiencing a moment of crisis, struggling with a loved one's dementia, or have questions you need answered, go to aginglifenetwork.com where you can talk with a life care professional who will offer you answers, step-by-step guidance, and support to assist you with your aging life journey. I wish you all a great week. Uh, happy 4th of July. And stay safe out there. See you next time here at Aging Life. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in this week to Aging Life Network. Please join host Nancy Oriola for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We can't wait to talk again.